Space Podcast. Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out TangiboundNetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out. TangiboundNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Josh Peterson and I reevaluate our opinions amidst the doom and gloom of the summer movie season as a revival of good movies are coming. Is it enough to save the summer for audiences? Will Marvel's Inhumans actually be a thing? Or just another ABC Marvel failure? With the PlayStation, Steam, and Xbox summer sales going on, and with Amazon's right around the corner, is it the best time of the year to stock up on gaming fun? Plus, we have Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games talking about the Super NES Mini coming to store shelves, and Anthony Barberin stops by to talk all the latest NBA news. Plus, we get a taste of the latest podcast from Humanity Media, and another hit song from Moy. And we also reflect on 45 years of Atari. It's another organized cavalcade of podcasting fun we have for you today as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry, that quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, he is the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanity Media. It's Josh Peterson. How are you, my friend? Good, good, man. Hey, does it ever get hard to raise your voice that high when you say the pop culture cosmos? Or does it ever actually crack when you're doing it and then you just play it off like production value? I think you just like tune out when I say it because it has cracked and it has been hard to do. 
on more than one occasion. That's all I'm, I would say. I'm, I'm sitting like, here like, like yeah, I'm, I'm like, you oh. make that sound so natural. Like I, I couldn't even tell. Like if you, if you were to crack your voice in public, like I would just assume that you're introing the show. Well, I, I know Rob McCallum, director Rob McCallum of Nintendo Quest, a good friend of both of ours, and also as well uh, someone who helped start up the Pop Culture Cosmos, listens to so many of our episodes. And he, when he's not on them, of course, <laughs> he always, you can see the cringe in his face every time I do it. So I, when I focus in on doing the pop, I know it's always for him. So uh, just a little shout out to our good friend, Rob McCallum out there. Before we get into it on everything going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos show and also PCC Multiverse, what is going on with the great things happening at Humanica Media? Uh, it's just business as usual. We have the uh, What About This podcast. Uh, I'm hoping to release it tonight because I'm going to be out of town uh, until Wednesday. And then we have Super BS, which you will probably hear next week. We had a fill-in for Eric named Dave, who is actually, uh, I think he did fairly well for his first podcast. So can't wait for you guys to hear that. Um, yeah, other than that, there's going to be more Topic Topicocalypse released as the week goes on. We're working on a few other things, but you'll you'll find out soon. Oh, that's awesome here. And also, don't forget, everyone, Josh has uploaded on his YouTube and also throughout Facebook on the Humanican Media, Game Source, uh, also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos. He continually updates and, and reposts, you know, all that E3 action that we got earlier this month. Uh, you know, just some of the games included Everybody Loves Golf, uh, Gran Turismo, Far Cry 5, the latest Call of Duty, World War One, uh, and so many other games, Super Mario Odyssey. He always continually reposts those, those links so that everybody can make sure that they catch all the reaction of those upcoming games that was shown at E3 2017. So check that out on Humanican Media YouTube or just go on to one of our uh, social media pages on Facebook and you'll be able to catch it right there. So it's a great podcast we have for you. It's got a lot of stuff going on, so better just you know kind of get to it right away because we got a lot of stuff coming out from Anthony Barber and talking NBA, Douglas Hoibu talking the Super NES Mini, talking also as well about Inhumans and and so much more. So Josh, I really want to talk. I guess I want to reevaluate our position that we had recently when we both kind of thought it was going to be a doom and gloom as far as the summer's movie season is concerned because there's some good stuff coming on the way, isn't there? In fact, right now as well. Uh, are we talking about Baby Driver? Absolutely. Oh. Baby Driver is getting a lot of positive reviews. You're about ready to see it, and I know that. Yeah, I'm actually going tomorrow night. Um, hopefully it's good. I know there's been a lot of bombs this summer. I think that's just uh, people are slowly realizing that they are becoming fatigued of franchises, uh, you know, with the exception of Guardians of the Galaxy. But, yeah, I think Baby Driver is going to be good, and I, I'm really holding out hope that uh, The Dark Tower is going to end up being good because that's kind of another sort of standalone film, though it's based on novels, but it's kind of a big stand uh, original, I guess, as far as film goes. It's, a, it's what you would call an original blockbuster. It's not connected to anything. So Absolutely, hoping- and Valerian. The Valerian, Valerian. Uh, I'm hoping that does does good as well. And you've got great reviews already that are out and available on Spider-Man Homecoming and War for the Planet of the Apes. I mean, both of those 
actually tested out already and previewed in advance several weeks ahead of time because it looks like the studios had a great confidence in those films, correct? Yeah, I haven't opened up any of the Spider-Man reviews, but the headlines have been fairly positive. I know IGN scored it really well. The guys over at Kind of Funny scored it really well. It scored well on uh, ComingSoon.net. So it, I'm, I'm hoping it's good. A lot of people are saying it was worth all the screw-ups that we got before. And as far as Planet of the Apes goes, I haven't read anything about it yet. It, it looks good, and I want to see it, but I haven't really got uh, opened up any critical reviews of it or anything. The pretty much the same theme going on with each of the reviews is that it's a nice way to close out the series, uh, at least this part of the series, because at some point in time they're going to re reboot the series again. But at least this the start of this this movie series that started with the you know James Franco, because we you know I know we were talking about it before the broadcast, and we we're talking about okay which. Uh, ours that we're talking about, but this certain trilogy right now, as far as dealing with Caesar primarily, as far as through his trials and tribulations for him and and his uh, you know his his group of of that he's trying to protect and and trying to help flourish. So it's a great way to to end the series, according to what they're talking about. A very poignant, very very uh, very sentimental and also a, a strong finish to the actual series is what I'm hearing and what I'm reading time after time after time again. So that's great news for fans of Planet of the Apes, a series which you and I said was, you know, something that that seems to be you know, always like underlying there. It wasn't something that, that people talked about as a blockbuster, but when you look at it, those three, you know movies have garnered pretty strong box office dollars and have exceeded expectations each and every time so definitely looking forward to seeing that as well coming up and and hopefully uh, that you know it'd be great move sign for movie fans but all in all it looks like this the summer movie season could be salvaged after what i have to consider one of the worst mays ever don't you think yeah let's hope i i've been kind of bummed i haven't yeah i've been kind of bummed so far so you know, with the exception of King Arthur, but let's not talk about that right now because uh, <laughs> you're wrong. Um, but yeah, and there's just it hasn't been everything that I hoped it would be, and I don't see it shaping up. I know we got Dunkirk coming out too. Uh, exactly too. That that's obvious one we haven't talked about. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that one's good. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see. I, I'm kind of personally, I am fatigued to franchises. Like I want to see something that. I can go in, spend my money, sit there for two hours, and not have to worry about a sequel. Even though most of them are setting up themselves as to be as such. So yeah, Dunkirk obviously cannot be be something like that, and that's good news. And hopefully, it will be from Christopher Nolan. He's he's obviously had such great work over the past few years uh, with the Batman series, Interstellar, which it was good at times. So I'll just leave it at that uh, way too long, but it was good at times. So definitely uh, he's created some great work over the years. And I think this will hopefully fall in line as well once we see the reviews, but uh, to keep up to date on what's going on in the movie world, you can check us out pop culture cosmos on Facebook. And if you have any questions or if you just want to share your opinions on some of these movies, or if you want to share your opinion, if this has been up until now, one of the worst summer movie seasons ever, and you think we're totally right or you think we're totally wrong, that's no problem. You can just share your opinions with us on our Facebook pages at Humanity Media, Game Source, or Pop Culture Cosmos. Or also as well, you can send us an email 
popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. So like I said, it's going to be a great broadcast here today. We're going to be talking a lot of stuff, including I had to stop Josh before we went on the air because he's really got that itchy trigger finger to go buy and spend a lot of money. And we'll tell you why, especially if you're a gamer, you're going to be uh, very excited about all this stuff if you're not, you're not knowledgeable about it already. So we're going to give you some insight on, on what to look forward to with sales going on uh, coming up here in a bit. Uh, we also got, like I said, got NBA news coming up with Anthony Barberin, got Douglas Hoibu talking more about the Super NES Mini, which finally got officially an, you know announced as far as release date is concerned. And then we also are going to later on, as we close out the show, talk about 45 years of Atari and what Atari has meant to the industry as well. Well, like I said, it's going to be a great program. We got a lot lined up for you, including tastes from the latest. Uh, uh, podcasts that, that are coming up from Humanica Media. We're going to get a little taste of that uh, during the show as well. But first, we got a song from a returning gentleman coming back on with some music. It's Moy. And this is Turn Around from Moy, right here on the PCC Multiverse. is a mystery Even lovers were one day strangers were You and me we were meant to be Turn around, turn around Are you having the time of your Time of your life You and me 
Carlos Moy Navarro. Check out more of his great songs today on YouTube. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey everyone, if you're in the Southern California area and are looking for the best way to improve your home, look no further than adding some always green synthetic grass today. Whether it's creating that awesome backyard that's kid and pet friendly, or that punting green to work on your golf game, Always Green provides installation and landscaping with only American-made products, such as their famous synthetic turf with advanced drainage technology and backed by a 15-year warranty that will have your yard looking great for a very long time. Always Green also installs retaining walls, custom lighting and driveways, and the most beautiful stone walkways. So if you live in the Southern California area, what are you waiting for? Financing is also available, so call for a free estimate today. 714-614-7814. That's 714-614-7814. Or stop by their store at 16772 Wanda Circle in Huntington Beach and get your home looking great with Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. A proud sponsor of Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and the PCC Multiverse channels. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I tried to do the extra pop for you there. Really appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. I'm here along with my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend from Humanican Media. It's Josh Peterson. Josh, have you had a chance to see the latest trailer from Marvel's Inhumans? I have, and I'm not very excited about it. I'm probably not going to watch it. Like, if it comes out on Netflix and I could watch it all at once, I probably will. But I'm not going to, like, keep going to my TV every weekend just to watch it. It, it, it. Honestly, it just doesn't look exciting to me. It's the. It looks like it's kind of the on the lower budget side of Marvel's properties, and I'm just not that fascinated. And I didn't even like reading about them in the comic books. I remember like having crossover issues with the Inhumans. I'm like, ah, really? And I'm just flipping through the pages trying to get to the end of it. So I'm, I'm just not that fascinated in it. Well, do you think it's going to be another ABC Marvel failure? Because they, they really, you know, uh, I, I thought there was going to be some promise with Agent Carter, but that failed after two seasons that got canceled. Um, ABC Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is... Uh, uh, do you really want to call that a success? Yeah, it's going into like fourth or fifth season, but... It really- survived. It's not a yeah. success. It's just in survival mode. But yeah, no, I think that's why they're making it a mini series. But the thing is, like, I think the hype level is so low right now because originally they announced that it was going to be a a movie. Sorry, you know, and it's going to have Vin Diesel in it, and it's going to have a, a big line of actors. Going to release 2018 is going to be awesome, and then. It just like, and then it was a, uh, you know, this movie might be happening or it's going to be a straight to DVD release. And then there's, now they're saying it's going to be a a television show. And then they're like, now trying to bring the hype back up. They're saying it's going to be a limited run series and you can watch it in IMAX, but that's still not enough to make me want to go pay to watch it. Not for myself either, because this is just uh, something that's, that's a little bit disappointing indeed. I'm just... I don't know. I, I understand because of the Disney Marvel ABC triumvirate. I know they really want to still broadcast television still has its merits and, and you know, trying to be able to put something of the Marvel universe, although it 
doesn't always really tie into the Marvel universe in, in any way. Um, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I, I remember when Inhumans was pushed back as a movie to maybe 2020 and beyond, and and then it be, evolved into this series. And like you said, the big name actors all went went bye bye because of it. So. Uh, it just doesn't have any panache for me. It just looks like they're having fun in Hawaii because I, I believe it is actually being taped in Hawaii. So I don't know. It just looks like that they cannot find that happy medium. Superhero shows outside of the CW just really have struggled to find any kind of uh, proving ground with audiences on broadcast television. Is that correct? Yeah, just because they get stagnant. And Marvel has this problem where they want to connect everything. And that's cool, but... Like I don't, I originally I looked at a, uh, Agents of Shield as like a tie-in series. I was like, yeah, this is cool. And then four seasons later, I'm like, no, I I don't want to watch this anymore. I mean, I was thing, a huge fan of Agent Carter in its first season, but then by the time the second season came around, and they moved to L.A. and and it really just kind of they they I don't know they they tried to veer a little bit away from the from the MCU and all that instead of just trying to maybe associate it with some of the more interesting aspects in my opinion but that's that's neither here nor there just that I I know that series was that series went on a high came in on a high and it really just ramped down the interest level real fast yeah my my big thing is so like if we're if you're going to give us a series that's tied into your films don't um don't pretend that the films aren't happening. Like, give us some like a, a more concrete connection to make us feel like we're we're making progress in watching the MCU. Like, make it make it because I know with like um, Agents of Shield, especially they they tend to dance around. They like they make references to like Captain America and Hulk and whatnot, but they they dance around it. And whereas like they do that in the next in the Netflix shows too, but at least those shows are interesting. You can expect them to end after 12 episodes. You don't have to like sit there and be like, oh man, this is, you know, we're going to watch another 30 episodes. It's going to go on for four more seasons. Yeah, 20, 22 episodes each year. So it's hard to fill up all that space and time. Right. So it's just, I'm, I'm not interested in it for that reason. And I'm also not interested in it because it is a TV show and it probably got a very low budget uh, special effects thing. So I, I, and just looking at the lady's hair, like it, the costumes and the, the special effects and the trailers, I just, it it looks like it's a, another uh, David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury movie waiting to happen. <laughs> it looks like it indeed. What are your thoughts on Marvel and humans? Is it something that you really are looking forward to? Are you going to watch it in IMAX and theaters? Or are you going to just watch it? Uh, when it comes on ABC, you're going to follow it. Some, is it something that has piqued your interest, or is it something that you're just going to toss to the wayside and actually watch the real Marvel MCU that that so many others are are actually going to be doing instead of watching another uh, on the fringe ABC Marvel love fest? Tell us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, as well, you can try us at on our Facebook pages at Humanity Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos as well. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey, everyone. Check out what happened recently on the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. They've done a great job with a great series of books 
entitled Syndicate Wars. And I have two of the authors here today. I have George Mahaffey and Justin Sloan. Since we're building this big universe, you can just get into this and have something to keep going with, you know? It's not just you read a book or two and you're done, but you can have a whole world that you read the six books, you love it, you get into the next series of books, you love it, and you can just keep going. The great hope is that we will be able to bring it all together, but we've sort of mapped out how we're going to be able to bring sort of everybody together. That's our great hope. That would be awesome if we could do that. For the latest interviews, opinions, reviews, and analysis on everything pop culture, Check out the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, Mondays, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, and the PCC Multiverse, Fridays, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network. Or subscribe today on over a dozen streaming and downloading options. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films in 2017. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Box Art arrives this year, just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here along with my good friend, the man with the legend behind Retro City Games, unless you're Nicole Galgazian, who says she is the person behind Retro City Games. It's Douglas Hoybo. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? I am well. Uh, this is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. Again, we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Just got re- you know announced the, well, as you and I had already predicted, the SNES Mini console, which you know will soon be sold out and sold at $5,000 on eBay pretty soon. <laughs> What are your thoughts on as far as bringing it out and that effect is only going to be uh, available to consumers through the end of this year? I think Nintendo's not learning from their mistakes as far as like as far as the the release of it and saying, oh, it's going to be limited. I, I mean, it's I don't understand why they're allergic to money. I mean, people will just keep buying it. I don't see I don't see why even the NES Classic wouldn't have been selling now. I Agreed. Mean, it, I mean, it, I think it's one of those things that could be on the market for five years and people would still be picking one up. Agreed it, too. I, as well. I just I don't understand what the what the aversion to producing them was. I don't know if it was a high wholesale cost and it cost them a lot of money to make. On the surface, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, it's essentially a Raspberry Pi. Not for I, a company that's <laughs> right now on the Nikkei that's actually more valuable than Sony. Exactly, and the amount of physical cash they have sitting around is just absurd. Um, so I, I mean, I think it's the next evolution, and it makes complete sense. And I was waiting for it and was hoping for it because I'm actually more of a Super Nintendo guy than an NES guy. I know that's blasphemy, but. That's what oh. I grew up with. I know, right? <laughs> um, but I, I feel it's... I'm more of an N64 guy myself. Okay. Um, but it's just one of those things where I, I, I expected it. Um, a little... It's weird they, they went the route of packing the controller in and upcharging. But I'm sure, like we've talked about before, that was just to capture more dollars. Because people are going to buy it regardless. I told you they could they could sell for 100 They could probably sell for 150 and with no problem. Yeah, and people would buy it. I mean, that's what people were buying on the resale market consistently. Yeah. Um, I Actually, the $100 price point wouldn't be absurd. But it's... I mean, especially for 20 games, you couldn't buy those 20 games. I mean, Earthbound alone is a $150 game. So it's one of those... You couldn't buy a system in Earthbound. And now you're getting 19 games on top of that. There I don't know go. if that's going to translate to the casual but consumer. But also, as also, um, what else? Uh, the second version of Star Fox, too, that which was not available previously. Yeah, I'm actually interested to see what they're doing with that. Is it going to be the unreleased, unfinished version? Did they polish it at all? Did they finish it? I would assume as such. Um, I don't 
I will get ripped to shreds if I'm wrong, but I could be wrong. I don't think there was ever an actual U.S. ROM of that released. I think everybody builds off of the uh, the Japanese and does translation packs. I don't think there's a native U like NTSC ROM floating around. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think I've ever seen one. And it's it's an unfinished game, and it was okay what I played. I played repros of it, but so I mean it's cool it's there, but I want to see what what is actually going to be there. Yeah, I, I don't blame you a bit. So definitely looking forward to that. And not surprised that it's coming out. Something that like I said, you and I had talked about previously oh, yeah. last year. As soon as we heard that the NES was going to be, you know, on its way out, so definitely a something to look forward to indeed. And last but not least, uh, you've played quite a bit, and you've used quite a bit of PlayStation VR. Yes. So I asked you. I I, I said, Doug, I've got a, a, a pair of. I actually got a headset from Plantronics that is molded and works with, in conjunction with the PlayStation VR. So tell us your thoughts on this PlayStation VR headset, the audio headset. That works in conjunction with it, and tell me your thoughts on it as a whole. Um, it's a good entry-level headset. It's one of those headsets that if you didn't already have a headset or you didn't already have a simulated surround sound headset, um, it's not a bad purchase for I believe sixty, seventy dollars in yeah. that range. Um, so it's definitely cheaper than any first-party headset you're going to get, um, like uh, the, the PlayStation Gold headsets are a hundred dollars. That's what I generally use. With that being said, PlayStation VR I feel was kind of built with using the, the PlayStation headset in mind. So it already fits really well and feels comfortable with the PlayStation headset. Um, I think where the Plantronics one lacks the most is in the simulated surround sound. Um, especially in that VR, I notice a difference in distance feels well. I mean, I, it feels like sound is either throwing from close to me or from far away. But what it doesn't do well, I feel, is, is that range of front and back. I can feel when something's to my right, but I don't know if it's behind me or to my right. So I feel myself turning more or less than I should. I don't really get that with my, my gold headset. And not saying the gold headset's the best headset I've ever used, but it definitely, when you put them side by side, you see a huge difference. But, if, like I said, if, if you haven't picked up a headset, um, Plantronics is a, is a great starter point to kind of see what you might want and don't want. Um, overall, it's comfortable. Um, they definitely went for more of the styled look. It has a lot of flash and flare and things going on. Which you know, has a tendency to come with VR, but, you know, trying yeah. to look stylistic. Yeah, it, it has that look. Um, it's not really my style, aesthetically. Um, uh, overall, the feel of them, it's definitely not a first-party item. Um, doesn't mean the quality is low. You just can feel the plastic and the way everything feels. I don't know how it would last in a, in a long-term setting. Um, but if you're just using it for VR, that might not get that much wear and tear. Um, uh, so it's one of those things that, like I said, it's, it's a good starter headset or a good second headset if you're looking to pick up something just for VR. But as far as, a, you know, if you're going to go out and buy a headset, there's, there's a lot of headsets out there that I think might be a better option. Sounds like a, a good thing indeed. I appreciate your your thoughts, honestly, on that and fair and, and accurate on that uh, as far as it's concerned. You know, very, you know, good entry-level one, but as far as if you want to do something more, maybe another more elaborate headset, or the gold headset, which and obviously PlayStation designed with, maybe more in mind. That's the only thing I can compare it to as far as what I, what I, what I currently own. Um, I use that for most of what I'm using a headset for. Um, I've used Turtle Beach headsets and things like that in the past, but they don't I, I've never seen the price difference, you know, or, or the Well, I think that's when it, when it comes for something like that, a third yeah. party and a first party. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things, um, I did test it outside of VR as well, playing PT, and that was a little bit better. I felt like it it wasn't trying to do as much because I didn't have to. I didn't have to feel like I it was behind me or things like that. 
but it still wasn't it just wasn't as good as the first party stuff well, fair enough indeed fair enough indeed uh, if you have any questions for Doug Nicole or myself you know we can always be reached on Pop Culture Cosmos Humanity Comedian and Game Source but also as well the leader in gaming here in Southern Nevada as I always like to say it is Retro City Games give them a shout out Retro City Games right here on Facebook and also Twitter as well you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Hey, everyone. Check out what happened recently on the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. It's been all over the pop culture news. The sudden exit of the directors of the Han Solo spinoff film. And who should step in? It's Ron Howard. What do you want to see from a Han Solo movie that intrigues you the most? Kessel Run, how he met Chewbacca. And yeah, there's all that stuff would be cool to see, but I don't have anything I'm like, yes, I really hope they see this. So, And I'm, I think that's working to my advantage because I'm going to go into this movie without any expectations and hopefully I'm going to come out blown away by it. For the latest interviews, opinions, reviews, and analysis on everything pop culture, check out the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, Mondays, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, and the PCC Multiverse, Fridays, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network. Or subscribe today on over a dozen streaming and downloading options. And we're back. And I'll tell you what, a little off uh, beat for us again, because we're going to do some NBA right now. Probably one of the best times of the year of the NBA season. I know it's there's no actual basketball being played. Summer League is still around the corner. Uh, and the the obviously everybody still has that buzz from the Warriors winning the finals. But... It's one of the best part of the year uh, because the draft just got finished, and we also always like to take a look at the you know who won and who lost with that. But also, as well, NBA free agency is going to get hot and heavy as of July first. And who better to talk about what's going on in the NBA world but the man, the myth, the legend, our NBA expert himself, Anthony Barber? And Anthony, it's so good to have you back on the program. How are you today? I'm good, man. It's always a pleasure to come on, man. I, I love talking sports. I love talking NBA. Awesome. Uh, myself as well, as as two devoted NBA fans who uh, love to shoot shoot the breeze about uh, everything going on with in the basketball world. It, it's truly a pleasure anytime I get a chance to sit down and talk to you. Indeed, you know it's right around the corner. It's it's free agency. It's uh, really hot. Going to be hot and heavy come July first. So I want to get you first off your opinions on maybe two or three of the actual uh, you know top tier free agents that that you think are going to move or you think that could move. I'm sorry, um, you know, like uh, start off with Gordon Hayward. There's also Paul Millsap. There's also Blake Griffin. Any one of those players look like their possibilities of moving. Which ones stick out to you as ones that? most likely will take a chance and move on to a different team. And then one maybe uh, that's that's people are forgetting about that that may actually do a team really well. Um, I, I think – I actually think Gordon Hayward and Paul Millsap will both probably change teams. Um, I think Paul Millsap, in my opinion, is – I think he's gone for good. I, I don't even think that Atlanta wants him back. I no, they don't. They're gonna. It looks like they're doing a total reset. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think Paul Millsap is gone. Where he goes, I I'm not sure yet. Um, Gordon Hayward has some some options. 
but I think he has a, 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 a like a 25% chance where he could go back to Utah. But it, it to me, it's dependent on what he what he wants. Does he believe he can win a championship there? I don't think he does. So I think moving to another franchise could do that and do more for him as a brand. Blake, I think Blake could leave. Um, but I, I think with him, you might get the Russell Westbrook thing. Whereas Kevin Durant leaves and he goes, I'm not going anywhere. This is my team. This is my franchise. I'm re-upping for the long haul. He's he's essentially the first franchise player they ever had. And so if he re-ups, he'll, you know, he can finish his career that way. They've said they wanted him to finish his career there. So I can see that happening. Um, but then there's some other, you know, maybe not higher end free agents that can really help teams out. And there's one or two guys I, I see that could very much benefit from a new team. One guy I'm looking to see what happens is Contavious uh, Caldwell-Pope. I'm, I'm wondering if anybody is willing to give him a shot, I think, on a new team and a new system, new coach, franchise. I think he could blossom from uh, – he averaged just under 14 points a game. but He's uh, a very solid two-way player. Very good defensive player. Off, he's a good shooter, slasher. He has he has um, a nice game, and I think another coach, another system playing around better players can help him elevate his game and make him a better player. There's also guys, you know, Danilo Gallinari, uh, Jeff T, Rudy Gay. Now, so there, there's a lot of free agents. I don't. I think it's going to be another one of those. We'll see when certain guys go, the chips will all start to fall in place rather than just, you know, a great guy goes here, a great guy goes there, and, and that's it. I think Gordon Hayward goes here, so guys fall into this line. Or, you know, Paul Millsap, like the Chris Paul trade. Now, had they not traded him, he would have gone there as a free agent. You know, that can sway a couple guys maybe to go there. So I think it's going to be interesting. But I think, the, like you said, the big three, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, are, are free agents, but no one expects them to not go back and re-up and try to, you know, you know continue what, what they started off to potentially be a dynasty down the road. Oh, um, yeah, that most so definitely. Gordon Hayward, Blake Griffin, and Paul Millsap, I think those are the three people that, you, you know, you're really looking at. Kyle Lowry is another one. Yeah. Yeah, it, um, Toronto's interested in doing a rebuild because obviously what they've done so far hasn't worked out to get them over the hump with Cleveland. Uh, that could definitely be a possibility as well. Right. Excellent, excellent, excellent picks indeed. But, and Blake Griffin, don't think uh, just because Chris Paul left, someone who was reportedly he is having issues with all the time, don't think that he's just going to automatically come back. I think he's going to feel out offers first. Uh, and especially if Boston doesn't get a Hayward, then you might see them go after a Griffin or a Millsap. So, yeah, definitely, definitely some good points indeed. I also want to pick out uh, two more individual free agents. They're restricted, so the price might come higher than you you would normally would if they were unrestricted. But Jermichael Green and Jonathan Simmons, who both had, had very, very strong seasons, uh, they're both in their around 27, 28, so they're still uh, in the prime of their careers. If you can uh, throw a number at them that uh, might be too rich for Memphis and San Antonio, 
you could get uh, two really solid players there. Indeed, those are some some of the ones that I picked out from what I saw. And then, you know, like you said, as as far as uh, Kyle Lowry is still, even at his age at, at 30 plus, can still uh, do a great job. Hopefully he can stay healthy for whoever he goes to, whether it stays at Toronto or or goes to another team or whatnot, because uh, his, uh, I guess, durability, you know, or come around playoff time, he's been hurt the past couple times uh, in, in playoff action. Let's, let's see where he can go from there. And, and maybe uh, you know, take a team, whether it's Toronto or someone else, to it to even a loftier status as well. Some definitely some some good choices and some good thoughts there on NBA free agency, and, and it's going to be hot and heavy once NBA free agency comes around. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Summer league is right around the corner, both in Orlando and then Las Vegas right here after that. So definitely looking forward to that indeed, so we can start seeing the players from the future. Uh, and seeing where they might go and might develop as as players. So definitely looking forward to that indeed as well. Anthony, it's, as always, it's truly a pleasure to having you on the program. And, uh, you know, like I said, we've got to get you back on the program a little bit more going forward with, with Inside Sports and, and then Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. We just want to make sure that we get your thoughts on the NBA scene as much as possible, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. Indeed. want to thank you for being part of the broadcast. That is Anthony Barberin, our NBA expert. He is here and he will, he can answer your questions out there. So if you have any questions on the NBA scene that both he he and I can talk about on the show, uh, send us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, you can shoot us a DM direct message at popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Inside Sports on Facebook. You can send us a direct message and we'll be able to, to talk about it on an upcoming episode indeed. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Hey everyone, check out what happened recently on the Pop Culture Cosmos Show and the PCC Multiverse. And we're back live at E3 2017. My name is Joe Glasper, once again with Pop Culture Cosmos. It is my unique pleasure to have on one of the creators of Mixer. So Mixer is an interactive streaming platform that lets viewers control the gameplay. If you're a streamer and you're building community, you can have a real conversation back and forth extremely quickly. People that have never streamed before even watch streams. So there's a new audience there, especially on console, where maybe they haven't, you know, they've never participated in streams before. They're now all doing this on Mixer. For the latest interviews, opinions, reviews, and analysis on everything pop culture, check out the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, Mondays, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, and the PCC Multiverse, Fridays, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network. Or subscribe today on over a dozen streaming and downloading options. 
And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast. If for some reason you cannot get the show on the Podcast Radio Network, that's no problem. You can download the show at any point in time. And also the Pop Culture Cosmos show as well, our Monday show, the number one show on the Podcast Radio Network, four months in a row. You can get those shows, download them, or stream them anytime at all. Just check it out today on iTunes, TuneIn, the Ace Podcast Network, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, Google Play, the Gunna Geek Network, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, and the Tangibound Network as well. And when you do, we always throw in a bonus in there for you as well. So, Josh, I, I, I've kind of told you not to do it, but, you know, I... I, I know you're itching to do it you want to go and get out those sales that are available now on steam playstation and especially for you as an xbox fan the xbox one there's a lot of great stuff going out there if you're not familiar and you're a big gamer out there basically the steam summer sale has been something that the past few years is really something for fans and gamers to look forward to and in doing so has garnered a lot of attention and a lot of claim so in order to play with the big boys PlayStation and Xbox have done the same. We've also got Amazon going to do their big sale here in a couple weeks. But I ask you, Josh, now that you've become aware of all these sales that are all going on right now, what are some of the games that you're targeting? And when, you know, what kind of deals do you think uh, that uh, you're going to be getting out there when you go ahead and hit that Xbox One power button? Like you right do. now. Boom. Like you, like you did just now. Actually, I'm kind of itching to buy some of these games. So, which ones are of interest to you? Uh, right now, I because I've I have a back catalog of games that I want to play, but I don't own. So, like, I do want to play uh, Wolfenstein, maybe um, maybe Watch Dogs Two. Probably not though. The Witcher Three, I definitely want to play. I do want to finish Skyrim. I had the special edition. I had it, but I sold it just or not sold it, but I traded it just because I there's other things coming out I wanted to play. Um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of it. I want to try the Metro games. Never played them, but they're they're five bucks each, so I figure why not? Other than that, like I do, I'm I'm looking at the PlayStation list right now, and I'm interested in uh, the God of War three remasters. I never played it. I, I know, know for me on the PC and uh, the Serious Sam series, you can get in its entirety for six bucks. So really, okay. yeah. Uh, around six bucks, six or seven. So yeah, yeah, it's, that's that's an incredible deal. And the Shadow of Mordor, the Game of the Year edition, is currently on sale at on PlayStation Plus. Uh, members get it for three ninety nine. Nice. Yeah, these, like lot of- I said, these, these are sales that that are. You better check the PlayStation, Xbox, Steam, and also Amazon for how long these sales are going to last. So, do we? Where can we find out what's on sale at Amazon? Well, they haven't uh, shed any light on it yet. Uh, Over the coming days, they're they're probably going to sneak peek a few. But uh, remember, they do those gold box deals and whatnot on a regular basis. But yeah, they're going to be shedding more light and info in the coming weeks because it starts July 11th. So it's a little bit of ways away. They might give you some uh, info or, or... and if they do, we'll be able to post it on one of our uh, Facebook pages, each, either Game Source, Pop Culture Cosmos, or Humanity Media. So look out for that. We'll definitely forward those links over as well. 
So nothing yet from Amazon. So yeah, because I want to see what Amazon has. Like I like downloading digital games, but I also like to physically hold things. So I'm I'm old fashioned like that. Yes, it's been pretty much with the Amazon sales, though, it's been pretty hot or, hot or cold. Some of the deals are really good. Some of the deals are like, okay, as I was telling you, the first year that I noticed uh, the Amazon uh, big, huge sale, they had this, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that was like antiquated, like, a, you know, back of the warehouse type stuff, old PlayStation 2 games that they were trying to pass off, you know, that you get brand new. It's like, I don't want that. You know, then they started realizing that that they got a lot of feedback from, from uh, consumers out there and have more recently gotten a little bit better about their sales and exactly what they're, exa- you know, doing their big slash discounts on. So it's definitely, you know, if you're into electronics or, or you want to keep an eye on that because they could really have some good deals and they're going to have to because people are spending uh, a lot of money. At least gamers are right now at this point in time because the Steam summer sale definitely takes up a, a lot of interest from gamers that on the PCN and definitely now that PlayStation and Xbox have thrown their hat into the into the mix. Uh, definitely some some great deals as well. If you've got any great deals you want us to let everybody out there know, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Mannequin Media, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter. When we come back. We're gonna, you know, play a little clip from one of the latest podcasts from Humanica Media, and then we're gonna close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Once again, it goes back to love. Discipleship is love. You have to show love. You know what I mean? When what does that look like? Just what the Bible says. All right. Well, let me throw this out to you because because here's what I hear you saying is. A, first, like anything, we actually try to fix so that we can avoid. Mm-hmm. So so instead of listening, we try to fix, right? Mm-hmm. But if we would just listen, we would actually hear what the other needs in this situation. Whatever the situation is, mm-hmm. that could be with your spouse, yeah. to listen. And so you began to listen. And then you began to hear, we need eggs. But really, right, is you heard, we need friendships, we need relationships. And so... So it's easy, I would argue, it's easy, even if you don't have it, it's easy to invest things and money because right. it's safe. And it's easier, I guess, and it's, definitely. It's, it, there's no complexity right, there. Right, it's, yeah. here's, here's your sandwich, here's your jacket. And we're done. And we're done, and then we're like, all right, we did it. And, and I, would even, I would even argue that that's why people don't invest long-term right. because there's no, there is no return in that. Right. There's no real return, and so the way to change it is to actually give yourself to invest yourself without, right. even though you still will, without any expectation of return. So, right? So you you chose Eric. Well, literally everything, not just. That's you what, have to well, not just every your whole your whole person your whole life. Because if you go and you just ask, like, what is love? First John three eighteen. You know, it, it's your actions. You know what I mean? And Jesus set this example, right? That I'm gonna die for you, and that's what love looks like literally sacrifice everything we don't know about that as humans like we really have a hard time with what actually love is um that's why there's no greater love to yeah. someone that and you yeah. serve your country and in the military right because you're willing to lay down your life for something that you truly believe in right but what does love look like exactly it's literally giving everything 
right? If I came to my wife, I love using this example. My wife's like having a horrible day at work and she's fighting with her boss and everything kind of sucks. And I came to her, my wife would not say, man, does Kyle love me? You know what I mean? Oh, that was nice. You know what I mean? That was cool. You thought of me, that's cool. But if I went to my wife and said, let's go to Catalina. The kids are taken care of. Uh, I already have meals planned. Um, I bought you a dress, that one you really wanted. And then we, and over dinner, we talked about what was going on in our life. And we just had this whole thing. Because my wife's going through a really hard time, my wife would be like, wow, he really thought of everything. Mm -hmm. He really wanted to invest in me and my concerns. And he saw a need and he really tried to continue to be there, right? So that's the same thing with homelessness, is that people forget it just wasn't that with Eric. Where Eric's story is one of the most things that people forget is one day I saw Eric eating out of a dog bowl. Eric was eating out of a dog bowl, and for the first time in my life, it hit me really hard. I said, this is what we came to, like someone eating out of a dog bowl? Like that's it. it problem is, there's addiction, then there's level that, uh, that Eric was addicted to. That you give them will get sold for more drugs. And this is where I argue with people that you shouldn't just give money. Find out what their need are, who they truly are. So he went to color me mine, and me, my wife, and kids, we painted them bowls and uh, cups. And my whole thinking was, he's, you know, Eric opened it and started crying, and it was the first time he ever hugged me. And then it was another thing. Then, then he lost his tent, everything got stolen, so we bought him a tent, and uh, the most expensive thing I ever bought, 40 bucks, but in the tent was a Bible. Eric pulled out that Bible, and started crying over that Bible and put it to his head and promised me he'd read it every single day, which he still does. That was the What About This podcast on the Humanica Media outlets on Podbean, iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. It's time for more sarcasm, more gloating, more pop culture BS, and ridiculous video game chat as GamerCast returns for Season 2. My name is Rob McCallum, and this year, once again, I'm joined by Mr. Glenn Stanway and my lifelong friend, Jay Bartlett. This year, the show moves to a slightly different format, favoring a more unedited adventure that lets us include more topics as we get together once a month to vent and celebrate everything going on in the gaming industry today and yesteryear. So if you like the idea of arguing with us, though we'll never be able to hear you, then you definitely want to check out GamerCast. Season 2 is really going to take it up a notch. That's GamerCast here on the PCC, the Pop Culture Cosmos, on iTunes, and on Podbean. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today as we close things out Josh, it's been a great episode so far. We've had a lot of stuff to talk about, and, and we appreciate Douglas Hoibu and Anthony Barberin for being on the broadcast here as well. Before we head on out, and we actually just reminisce about some great stuff that have gone on many years ago, what's going on with Humanica Media? But yeah, so we got uh, What About This and Super BS coming at you. Uh, one, one will be tonight, one will be next week. Um, and new topic apocalypse too next week sometime. Uh, that's great news indeed. Well, uh, to close out the show, I wanted to reminisce a little bit about some, you know, a, a anniversary this week was because because this week was the creation of Atari, 
and, and what a great company that has been. No, obviously it, it, it's still not the, the conglomerate giant that it, it was back in the heyday, but it's still remembered fondly in pop culture. In fact, you know, if you've seen the latest trailer for Blade Runner uh, 2049, again, the Blade Runner films are going to be utilizing Atari and, uh, you know, the logo, the famous logo that, that's been known all around the world. And yes, Atari might even, you know, they've talked even about doing a comeback as far as trying to sell one of a, you know, a, a console that will play the games, uh, you know, from the past and, and maybe even some from the future as well that they're going to create up. So there's been talk and rumors about a, a new Atari console coming out very soon. But Josh, uh, before I go and reminisce on my my love for Atari, let me know your 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 fondness for Atari and, and what Atari means to you after 45 wonderful years. Uh, it honestly doesn't mean anything to me. I never owned one, never played one. My parent, my like my mom and my aunts and uncles had one when they were younger, but I I've never seen it. Like I've, I've I watched the documentary, so I have a lot of respect on that side. But uh, yeah, I've never actually touched one before, so I can't say that I revere it. Spoken like a true millennial, right there for you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know that's that's just the age difference. I mean that's. Uh, because Atari is almost as old as I am. So uh, I can tell you I got my first Atari 2600 at a very young age. I remember getting that, and I thought it was so awesome. And I played it until the, you know, the controllers, you know, the covers came off, and I played the sticks. And, yeah, like everybody else at that at time does because those controllers were, were really just not that durable. And just, you know, playing Pitfall and, and Pac-Man and, and all those great games that were available on the Atari, which, you know, like good friends like our Retro City Games uh, still can, you can walk in and buy today. It, it's it's fun because, you know, you can still go and see the games now on computer, but you can also go and still buy a unit and and, uh, and reminisce about the good old days. Or you can play those uh, Atari flashback machines, which can do the same thing as well. So, so those are some great times for me. I, I guess it may be because of the generation gap. It's, it's a little bit harder to, you know, come, come to grips with it, but that's okay. That's okay. We respect that. And like I said, it, maybe Atari will come back to the forefront in gaming at some point in time. They're, like I said, they've talked about doing a new console. So maybe that that's the future indeed. Uh, uh, obviously it's not going to be something that's going to come right away, but definitely something that, that could be around the corner and, and hoping for good things for Atari. Cause I'd, I'd love to see them stick around another and, 45 years and uh hopefully 45 years from now the, the atari logo will still mean something to a lot of people if you have thoughts on atari and and the console itself you have great memories of the 2600 the 5200 the links or or whatever uh atari memories you have share your thoughts with us popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well humanity media game source and pop culture cosmos on facebook and twitter as well so, Josh, any last thoughts on the way out on anything we talked about or, or you know, happy July 4th to everyone out there? Yeah, Although happy. we'll have a Monday, sh Monday show, so definitely we'll share our love then. Yes. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't blow yourselves up before then. I know some of you like to shoot off fireworks before and after the 4th of July. So, uh, yeah, just don't hurt yourself. Be considerate of other people's dogs. And, uh Buy some especially of these sweet yours, games. Especially yours. Especially mine. Mine's very temperamental. He's, he doesn't like not being paid attention to. But 
go buy some sweet games. Uh, yeah, awesome. Definitely. Uh, he's already doing so as we speak on the Xbox One. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll stress this again on Monday, but I'm hoping everyone out there has a safe and happy July 4th weekend indeed. Go check out some great movies. Despicable Me 3 is going to be hitting theaters. Baby Driver is already out in theaters. And The House, uh, whether or not it's going to do well, we'll see the latest Will Ferrell comedy. But just go out, check out some great movies out there that maybe one you haven't missed or or one that's coming out this week. And, and or otherwise, just, you know, Buy some games, play some games, just have fun with family, barbecues, cookouts, just happy and safe is all we're asking right here from the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. Josh, get off the Xbox One. There you go. Josh was ready to order, but he's got to do the finger thing now. And here's hoping you have yourself after we buy a few games. A great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to episode 8 for What About This. Uh, this episode we're talking to Kyle Rice from Project 54 Outreach. We had mentioned his organization back in episode 4 when we were talking about short-term missions, so we wanted to have him on to talk about his experience helping the homeless out in Skid Row in Los Angeles. So we, we talk about a lot of things. Kyle tells us just a, a small part of his story about his incredible journey that he has uh, where he's gained the heart for the homeless up in Skid Row. and. and the way it's impacted his life and, and the way he's been able to um, start uh, an organization up there and, and help the help the homeless up there, help the people living up in, in Skid Row. Um, so we talk about sort of the complexity of homelessness, how it's not just the one, you know, it's not just that someone doesn't have a house to live in. There's so much more to it. There's so much more that goes into not just um, the, the, the problem, but the solution. Uh, we talk about what really is needed to solve it. So we talk about listening, loving, what we can do as individuals, what we do as, as a group, um, and, and uh, what we need to do to actually serve the people up on Skid Row just a little bit better than we have, uh, and not just a little bit, a lot better than we have. Um, so please check out uh, Project 54 uh, Outreach. Um, they have a website, uh, which we'll put in the show notes. We, they have uh, other ways to contact them. So um, we hope you guys learn a lot from this uh, episode and um, let us know whether you want to get involved or, or any other feedback that you have. Thanks, guys.
If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Um, hey out there, uh, what about this listeners? We are back at it. Um, this episode is stemming out of an earlier episode, episode four on short-term missions, where we mentioned in that episode, we mentioned a friend of ours, Kyle Rice, who runs uh, Project 54 Outreach up in Skid Row. So uh, we have him on the podcast today. We're going to be talking about that and homelessness and some other topics. So um, I'm going to introduce Kyle, and he's going to give us a little bit of background on what Project 54 Outreach does. So Kyle, why don't you tell us? So Project 54 is kind of, uh, it started out as a calling for me that I thought God was really telling me to help out the people of Skid Row. So our, our main focus is two beliefs that everyone should always have a Bible, no matter their circumstances. And also uh, just really putting our faith in God, knowing that he can change any life. And how we do that is not just telling people about God, but actually walking through their faith with them through the whole process. Okay, and then you also, you, what are some of the events or what are some of the things that you guys actually do? What are... Well, we have a monthly event um, that is, uh, it's called a Brunch and Skid Row, where basically we bring a uh, professional chef, Kyle Powers, from Fork in the Road Catering, and he basically makes food in front of everybody uh, with a lot of our staff. And we also pass out Bibles, Christian literature, we have a big shopping area for toiletry kits. And uh, just recently, Kyle here played a DJ for us, played some music. Yes. There are there are two Kyles here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but the main focus of why we do it um, is we set up these huge tables, and it's, it's basically uh, we try to create an atmosphere, a community atmosphere. And the whole purpose is not really uh, the food or the toiletry kits. It's mainly just getting to know the people and actually showing them love. Yeah. And, and so oh yeah and all all four of us were up there this last saturday right because he just yeah. we just ran one with it's it's the last saturday of every month is that correct? last saturday of every month yeah so we we're all up there um it's a great event i've been a couple times travis how many times you've been a couple times Kyle, that was, that was, that was your first time, time ryan you've couple been a yeah. couple times yeah and you got invited to dj yeah <laughs> you know to put in work i gave myself the easy job <laughs> <laughs> um so today's episode we're so we're going to stem out of the project 54 um but Today's episode is going to be focused on um, homelessness and, and the church and, and Christians, we, what we as Christians should be doing, and just some of the things that, that go around that. And so we're going to talk about that. So let's start, though, first by Kyle Rice. Um, <laughs> not DJ Kyle? No, not DJ Kyle. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what are some of the things that you've learned about homelessness in the, because you've been doing it for about a year now. It's the Project 54 is about a year, it's a little a, over. A year and a half, Project year, 54. Year and a half. Yeah. yeah, so what are some of the things you've learned in the last year and a half about homelessness up at Skid Row? Well, as a lot of you guys know, I've kind of been around homelessness uh, at a different level um, mm-hmm. for a long time. But it just recently, is when Project 54 started, I kind of really started thinking about how faith kind of runs in with it, and it kind of turned everything on its head for me. 
And actually homelessness is very complex. You can actually take any, uh, any problems or sin in the world, it kind of almost relates to homelessness. There's prostitution, there's alcoholism, addiction, poverty, um, mental illness. It's just such a complex issue. And I think that's uh, one of the hard things that we actually have to overcome as Christians. And I think that's why a lot of people choose not to even touch homelessness as uh, one of the ways to serve. Is because why? Just, it's complex. Mm. How do you solve a problem that is so, uh, so hard, you know? It's not like it's just one agenda, it's you're fighting a whole bunch of agendas. And it's also such a, uh, it's actually, it's really sad too. When you get to know people at that level, and that's what we're really about, trying to create that relationship with them, that's what makes it hard. So so tell us tell us how maybe from the day that you had, if you even want to tell that story, that encounter with that man, mm. um, and how, the, the way you understand poverty and homelessness today versus how you approached it kind of before you jumped in and started this whole project. Maybe that would give us like a little bit of an understanding of what you've learned and what has kind of shaped and changed the way you approach even these events that you have, how you approach it, why you approach it, what you're doing more than just passing out food. Even though it's bomb food, it's good food. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. So I, my wife likes to say, uh, bring this up, and it's uh, kind of embarrassing, but I really, if I can say this as a Christian for many, many years, is I actually did not like homeless people. It was, it was uh, just the nature of the, for me that it was it was hard. There was this very big uh, distinction that I thought I was completely on the other side of life for them. Um, and then one day, uh, the story that kind of started Project 54 was I was uh, I was in Skid Row and a homeless person stopped me and they pulled out uh, a Bible out of nowhere and uh, the guy was um, legitimately had some serious mental illnesses, and he stopped and he clearly took out, uh, spoke to me with a Bible in his hand saying, God needs you to start helping these people, and he pointed to Skid Row. I told the guy to leave me alone, and then he uh, started pointing to some verse in the Bible and started getting angry with me. He's like, no, you need to listen. God's calling you to start leading these people. And uh, trying to blow him off, and then he kept trying to get my attention. He's like, no, you need to start listening. God's trying to tell me to tell you to start leading these people. They need a leader out here. So he folded up his Bible and started talking about like butterflies or something like that after him. <laughs> so it really got me thinking for the first time in my faith though, you know, um, that uh, how do you really help out Skid Row? Skid Row is 54 blocks, serves 10 to 12,000 people. It's the third biggest homeless camp in, in the world. And um, I saw nothing but violence and I saw nothing but addiction and um, poverty. And it was really hard to see past that. And Project 54 kind of started with a belief I was trying to wrap my head around this problem. How do you solve this problem? And it kind of just came to me one day that, oh, maybe if there was more Bibles in Skid Row than needles and crack pipes, maybe that would kind of make a dent. And that's literally, we just started buying Bibles and giving them out. That's kind of how it started at the, at the very beginning. So when you use that word complex, is, is what you're saying is, the reason people don't touch her, the reason people is because of the way the way you view it. When you say complex, kind of flesh that out a little bit. Like, what do you mean by complex? It's it's hard to understand, and it's complex in in two forms. That basically, that what you're saying, 
you can look at someone physically homeless and you can automatically tell that they're homeless and you can automatically tell the distinction that I don't understand what it's like to sleep on a sidewalk I sleep in a huge house mm -hmm. right or even if I don't sleep in a huge house I sleep in an apartment I don't have to worry about my food and uh, I stress about money but it's not to the level where it's you know I don't I'm worried about what I'm gonna eat or and also um, we're not trained how to handle homelessness. Mm -hmm. We are not. We're not trained to say, okay, uh, this guy has three different mental disorders. How do you talk to mm -hmm. someone? Or someone is, we have people that are, are uh, that go to CR and they come down who, who, who were addicted to drugs for years, but they even tell me uh, with tears in their eyes, I don't understand how the addiction got that bad. Mm. And, or I don't understand what it's like to be a prostitute in order to survive. And I think when you come uh, front with that as Christians, we're just kind of like, okay, well, I don't want to touch that one because I, I'm so far from that. So it's part of the complexity then, the unwillingness is us as Christians or just people in general, um, an unwillingness to step inside of their story to to try and understand, to begin to understand. Yeah. Is that part of the complexity? The complex, that, that, I guess that part of it is, like you were saying, like when you first, the way you used to look at homelessness versus how you understand it on a deeper level now and your desire to help and be a part of that, that process. Yeah, basically, I really thought that we had to solve the problem. I really thought that when you looked at someone you had to solve, it was kind of like a Rubik's Cube, right? We look at a Rubik's Cube like, man, this is ridiculously hard. Maybe not for people like Keith, but for people like I me. Can, that, I can. <laughs> common. I did not solve yeah. Rubik's Cube. Well, with all your time off. You, yeah. 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 you have 15 weeks this summer. <laughs> 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 Sorry, seven. I, yeah, I tried yeah, once. Like it didn't work out. Yeah. So Just take all the stickers off and rearrange them. Exactly. Yeah. Cheat this. So I think, but that's what we do, is that Christians, we, we, we look at it and say, we have to solve this problem. And that's what I was trying to do and, mm. and, and when it's complex. But when you really dive down to it, um, homelessness is, it may be complex, but the answers are still the same. That how do you solve it is just the same as any other ministry or any other type of problem solving. I think, yeah, I think I feel that on like a personal level, like when you're talking about how it's complex and so people don't want to touch it because they don't have any answers and things mm -hmm. like that. I feel like I'll be driving and I'll see a homeless person and in my mind I go, and you should stop and like do and like try and do something. But then I have the other side that makes me keep driving because now I'm fighting with myself going, so what are you just gonna stop every time you see a homeless person? And so then I was really having that internal struggle of like, so when do I stop and when do I not? Like what do I do? Like and I I I think and I think Project fifty four is a great example of this, is that then I was reading this book called uh, called No Easy Jesus and it it happened to, like, I literally happened to read this chapter right as I was wrestling back and forth with this. And he said, basically the author says, I get it. Like, I was like, man, did he, like, hear me? Because <laughs> it's like, I get it. You can't stop every time you see a homeless person and, and give them the shirt off your back. And he said, so the answer to your question of when do I help is when your resources directly meet the need in front of you. Hmm. And I was like... Yeah, I guess, yeah. And so and then I see something like Project 54, and I go, that's it. It's, it's we have these resources sitting directly in front of a need. And so, and so I see that too, which, which what I mean by that is how Project 54 is taking action in terms of uh, allowing people uh, a way to, 
to help with a problem that seems so large on an individual level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too that it's that one of the things that you can even add to that though, and what I learned from this and from especially from what I just told you, is you have to listen. I think sometimes we have this internal struggle, but there is a difference when you listen to when you feel God is calling you to do something. Because uh, one of the things that I love about what I have learned and what other people have learned is it, it just didn't stop on Skid Row. You know, I, uh, there are times where I do stop and I do have a conversation with homeless people. Um, I, I go shopping with homeless people on a regular basis. It's actually kind of a, whenever somebody asks me for food, uh, even in my hometown, I say, okay, grab a cart and we go hang out for 45 minutes, we go shopping. Um, when do you stop and when you don't, I think it really comes down to when you feel God's calling you to. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're not listening as a generation, that um, I, we really lost touch with that. I think sometimes, it, there's been many times where I've sat at church and I tell people this all the time, I knew Project 54 was supposed to start years ago. And I had many opportunities to, uh, that I don't like to talk about, where people wanted me to help out with homeless ministries and I chose not to. I, there's days I can actually remember um, during worship service and other things like that, God was calling me, he's like, man, you need to start doing something. And I remember it in my heart and just literally took that instant where that homeless person came up to really open my eyes. So take it to the level is maybe sometimes when you're driving and you really pray about it, you go and ask God, is this what you want me to do right now? Mm-hmm. We actually had a girl at our last event. My wife was telling me this amazing story where this girl, she came to Project 54 event and she was passing out Bibles and she was actually, uh, she wanted it after the experience. She's like, I really want to talk to homeless people. But she didn't know. She's like, do I do it now? What do I do? So my wife sees her and she's praying off to the side, but not like, you know, oh, dear God, please help me. Like really intense praying. And she immediately after that, after a couple minutes, she walked and she started praying for people. And she started doing it. Yes, that's resources were there, but take that to the level even when you're at home. If you're a homeless person, just be like, hmm, and pray, like, man, is this the moment that I'm supposed to do it? The time is the greatest thing you can give to a homeless person. Yeah. And we lose that. And if you can give them that time, that's more important than a sandwich, more important than a shirt or anything. It's good. Yeah, I was going to say, talk about that for a second, the difference between, like, uh, what we feel like is help and what you have come to experience that a lot of the homeless community, like, really desire. Yeah, I think the big thing is that, and you guys can probably relate to in your ministries. Um, I don't understand with homeless ministry why we don't listen to the homeless people. I feel like we think we have answers, but we don't talk to the homeless people. The one thing I can ever give my credit, uh, me and my wife always talk about this, I can give credit for Project 54, is we do all these things, the Bible studies, helping out the other missions, to the events, even to what we cook, um, is all because what homeless people have told us, right? And it was funny, you guys know Eric. Um, Eric was formerly known as New York. Used to, I first met him a little over a year ago, and I was talking to him, and I kind of was trying to do a promotion for Project 54, and I arrogantly asked uh, Eric, do you think God could change Skid Row? And he said no. I was kind of taken back, because I thought, you know, for sure the answer would be yes. And he said, I didn't understand that his belief was, he was agnostic, he didn't believe in anything, you know. But he didn't really know what was going on. So 
he said no because god would need christians to do his work for him but christians don't care about us they give us stuff and then they walk away mm-hmm. so this so this is where i where because we're talking about the individual and we all have roles to play individually when we see someone that's homeless but the question that keeps coming to my mind and this is where it relates to the short-term missions episode that we did is what is the role of us as a collective as a corporate body that we call the church like what is our responsibility here and i i've begun to tie this to a lot of different things um and i'll say the thing that i start to tie it to is how we understand life right um so the church does a really good job at protecting life for certain things Mm. um at certain maybe politically advantageous things, right? So we're talking about like pro-life, the abortion debates and all that. And that's all something we should be. We should protect the life of the unborn, all that sort of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about here. I think we don't extend that ethic, that pro-life idea out far enough, right? And I think this is where it comes into, where we don't consider homeless people people. We don't consider them life, I think, as a collective. And I think this is where we've started to fall short. So what I think we, we need to start working on is starting to see these people on Skid Row as like, why, I mean, because how hard is it to listen to them, right? I know one of the stories was like, they wanted eggs. Mm. How hard is it the next time we go up to cook for them to bring eggs, yeah. right? But for so long, we've been sort of slamming our head against the wall saying, that's not what they need. That's not what they need. That's not what they need. They need this. So we, we bring up what we think they need and not what they want, right? What they're sort of so is that part of, is that part of the story, the narrative that we tell each other, the safe route so that we don't actually have to get our hands dirty because it's complex. And so what we do is we go, here, we're going to drop off sandwiches, then we're going to leave. We're going to feel good about each other, uh, about ourselves or whatever. And so and we keep putting them in that same box. Like you're saying, we're not treating them as humans. We're not treating people as people. Um, or we don't we don't uh, adopt or we don't right. take care of the orphan we don't right. take care of because it's it's getting our hand it's messy right and, and it's th- complex like, right. I mean to, to your to your point Kyle is it's it's very it is very messy I think that to go off on that I would actually like to put it this way I think we forgot how to love as Christians mm-hmm. to be honest yeah. and I think that we are so selfish in this generation and uh, I remember one day um, Remember that one day I texted you, Travis, and I was just like, I'm so sick of watered-down Christianity because I had an incident happen with me on the street. And I think why we're watered down so much is because we're not teaching how to truly love people anymore. Because what Eric was telling me on that is that I need love. I I can't see God. You have to show it to me, right? And the only way you can really do things is you have to completely invest your whole life in something and say, I love you so much, and this is how I'm going to do it, right? So I think to extend on that, I think another problem is we've, we've totally forgot how to love in our generation. And that's what Eric really is. And, and Eric, when his testimony, he always talks about it. He's like, look, someone finally came and showed me that they loved me. Mm-hmm. And I always talk about it on our uh, events that when I asked Eric if we can bring anything to Skid Row that would help, what do you think would truly help? And he said, can you bring just one other friend that loves me as much as you do? Right. And so I think there is this, this danger um, that we get in, this, this danger, this rut that we get into where we always, I, I, this is, and I'm coming from a place of honesty, this was me even before Kyle, you and I started talking about Project 54, uh, you know, last year and all that, is that um, I always think it's someone else's problem. Right? Mm-hmm. I think someone else in the church will do it or I think someone else will take care of it. Um, 
because I don't consider it a human. I, I didn't consider it a human problem. I considered it like a uh, logistical problem, right? Yeah. And that's just oh, that's not what I was, right? I, I wasn't. I, Skid Row wasn't something that I could fix myself, right? Yeah. Um, but I never considered the human cost of not stepping in and doing whatever I could do, even if it's not a whole lot, right? Even if it is just going up once a month to talk to you know some people up that live up on Skid Row. Um, so are you saying even that that when we sit when we sit together we see ourselves as individuals, not a corporate quote unquote corporate body who can actually do this. We go, oh, somebody else will tackle that and then somebody else will tackle that or enough yeah. people will tackle or not that. Even, maybe not even the, the it's not me it's like, oh I'm not part of like I still consider it a corporate problem. Like I still think the church would be the best vehicle, best institution to, to tackle this problem. But I think well I'm not going to do it because you and, and we can go to scripture but like there's they talk about the body, uh, you know, there are different parts of the body, right? Um, but I, I failed to see that me refusing, so like if that's for the sake of the analogy, I'm the eyes, mm. right? But if I'm not looking at the problem, the body can't go over there, Yeah. right? And mm. so well I think about the individual, we always put off the responsibility because we don't consider it, consider the human cost. Mm. But that means the body, the collective, the, the corporate body is going to fail every time see I think for me the excuse I would make is like driving by somebody and I go no 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 I don't need to like stop for this one person like that's like like that's not what I need to be doing I need to like sit and figure out how to like impact this whole community and then literally like the quote popped into my mind it pops into my mind every time I come up with like excuse that says um if you if you don't do something for somebody like you'll most likely not do anything for anybody and that's what I find that I'm doing is I go no I don't need to stop and help that one person I need to go and dedicate some resources to help an entire community and so then what happens is I don't (laughs) (laughs) so then how do you solve the false guilt because that's what you're really talking about there's this sense of fault there or guilt and then maybe a little bit of false guilt and I heard some I think it's I think it's um, there's no I'm Andy Stanley said uh, don't feel guilty, feel responsible. Mm. And so at what point <clears throat> does a person stop? So how do you, s- not want, just to solve the false I guilt. Can tell you, oh, I can tell you how I think okay. we in America have decided to solve the false guilt is we've said, well, those people deserve it. Well, yeah, but which but is, which but is the story. We, which, but that's which, what we've done. Which, like, we, think, which we've said you guys are less than you guys right. are not. What I'm asking the honor, because here's the deal. It goes back to what Kyle, DJ Kyle was saying. <laughs> was was uh, was reading that book and going when your resources meet a need. Okay, right. cool. So, but the argument would be is every time you pull off the freeway, you have a shirt on, right? Right. Or every time you pull, it, you can you can pack <laughs> I mean, it. Not always. I know it's <laughs> yeah. it depends on day. It's yeah. summertime. It's yeah. summertime. <laughs> it's rare. Yeah. Sometimes it's rare. Yeah. I don't care. That's true. Right. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, and so I think like I know a guy. He cruises around with these almost like you know your elementary school earth right. earthquake uh, packets. You know, right. and he hands them out anytime you see something, but with like multiple things. Hygiene kits, cut uh, you know water things that will at least sustain this guy, and he puts in a devotion in there and right. stuff. And I think he even has conversations with him. I don't know the right. extent of it. My point being is this: is I got to this place where I can see a lot of guilt in my life, right. like or I start feeling good. Ah, oh, I can't go. And then eventually you go, well, if everyone does do something and right. gives themselves to something, and I think that's the bigger problem right. is not everyone is giving themselves. Right. 
to something. So, so at what point you can't have you can, the company can't have all CEOs, right? Right. To your yeah. point with the body, and so now you go like, okay, is this whole don't feel guilty, feel responsible? And then he kind of explains like you know some things that you need to do in light of whatever that thing is you're going to tackle, give your life to. I mean, James says true Christianity is take care of the fatherless, the orphan, the widow, right? right? And the um, and, and, and the homeless, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, if that's true Christianity, then none of us are exempt. Right. We, all, <laughs> we all have to jump in, and maybe the church would look crazier if we actually took that serious. Well, and I think this even goes back to part of the, the, again, going back to that short-term missions thing, is that we often find that we need to do that somewhere else, hmm. right? Yeah. So we travel to go to do that, right? Not to rehash that debate, but we go somewhere else to do that, and I don't fully understand why, um, and we can get into it, but we it might we often be don't, because right? we want to avoid. We don't want to see avoid. the right. We do, we want don't want to see the people like our literally mm. our physical neighbors. We don't want to help, but we'll help our neighbors, our quote neighbors across you know sure. uh, I, a plane trip away. I think it's I think what you're talking about is because it's selfish desires. I think we want to get filled up in Africa. Right. We want to get filled up in uh, some other foreign country. And we get filled up by that, by giving that way, but we don't want to fill up ourselves and helping out our own community. Right. And we don't realize that there's a huge need in our community and that that's why we should do it. And, I, and, that's, and that's, I think, what a lot of people's big beef with the church is. Right. Right? We want to take care of each other, but church wasn't meant to do that. Church, you know, we're supposed to go make disciples of the nation, right? That's, why, that's what Jesus, the last thing he told the disciples, right? Go do it. But we actually don't want to do that in our community. You get better Instagram pictures in that. Exactly. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is just that, and we're talking about as a church need, but it does really does fall down an individual need because right. everybody's individually supposed to call to go do something. It's amazing what one conversation or just one stop can do, right? And, and to your point, Kyle, do I stop? The reason why I contacted Travis and I was texting him about weak Christianity, watered down Christianity, is because I got a call from my friend and there was a homeless person in Skid Row and he was uh, just got done raining and he was on 6th and Central. Central is a pretty main street that people drive by. Um, the guy fell asleep and in the rain for seven hours in under 40 degree weather in LA. He woke up, I had to wake him up and uh, see what was going on and he literally had his snot, literally had like it was like glass. He couldn't move because how cold he was. And he was sleeping in the rain without a tent and without a blanket. So got him food, coffee, we talk. I, I was grabbing him blankets and, and he refused to go to the hospital with me. But why I was actually hurting in so much was how many Christians drove by that guy. Hundreds and hundreds of Christians saw a homeless person sleeping in the rain and he borderline died. And we were gonna let someone die because of inconvenience? Or maybe because we don't know if we should stop or not? That's how scary not stopping is. And, and, and one of my favorite examples is our Bible studies on Tuesdays. Um, we had a guy who was going down Gladys that was walking, literally go jump off the bridge. And he told us and uh, two of our um, volunteers went and asked him to come to Bible study with us because we walk around and we ask people to go to the Bible study with us and he said as I was walking down Gladys to go jump off a bridge I said God please tell me my wife my life has meaning and send me a sign that I'm supposed to be alive <laughs> and somebody said can you come to a Bible study and he's like and he said this in our Bible study apparently God must have a purpose mm-hmm. for my life all because you stopped and said something we don't understand what these people are going through. And it seems like a huge burden, but 
the problem with homelessness is that they live in hell. And I think that's another reason why it's complex. I bring up complex because we don't understand what hell is like. I don't understand what hell is like. Uh, I had a, I like to say I had a softball pitch life where it was easy for me to hit a home run and some people have had a Randy Johnson fastball to the forehead, right? So we don't understand that, right? And there's something very uh, meaningful. We had a guy named Rob in one of our Bible studies said, you don't understand Kyle, I believe in God, but I live in hell. I'm addicted to drugs, sleeping in tent, hearing gunshots. So it's just hard to see God when you live in hell. Yeah. So it's up to that individual person to go to that person and say, wow, talk to me about it. That's what you can do. And you can be a light when someone lives in hell. And I think that's the answer is kind of the other problem too, the complex problem, is that someone living in hell, yeah, man, it's, it's up to our responsibility. This is why discipleship is so important. And this is where a lot of people have beef with our church because we feel like we're not, not our church, but our churches in general, that they're not doing enough. That we're not actually doing what God actually called us to do. You show me the Bible where it says, Jesus said, you know what, just sit down in church all day and we'll be cool. You know, that was supposed to be the standard, you know. But Jesus set this amazing standard that it's almost hard to, to live by. And that's why we get frustrated and that we don't know what to do. But the only way we can do it is if we keep talking at least one person at a time, one stopping at a time. That's how we fulfill it. So you're talking, and we talked about this in episode four, was a lot of it is just us trying to be... Um, I guess good stewards with the with the with the talk right. of going. How do we figure this out? Hmm. How do we actually even you know we and we I think we touched and I think we are fair on not only backyard missions but right. overseas missions is saying there's a place for both, right? Absolutely. There's a place, um, and and how do we resource that? How do we take people there back? How do you, how do we bring people to Project Fifty Four and then and then bring them back into the real world, even in their neighborhoods or whatever? Keep keep investing in there and um yeah I, I i think you know what i'm saying i think it's so important this is why we as christians have to push each other to take on burdens okay like if you take on a burden um first of all you guys brought up a great point in the missions what do you do when you come back right from a mission um because you just had this really great experience for a week right how do you counter that well, you still do the same thing in everyday life, right? That no, I'm not serving children in Africa for a week, but you still have a chance to fight a burden when you're at home. And then that, you're still doing something. Because you can also, like, I do Project 54, but I have a friend who runs a nonprofit who helps transvestite prostitutes in China. That is no way my field of expertise that I know anything about. But she called and she's asking me to come out there and minister them. So we're trying to set up a way Go and do it, right? You can do both. There has to. I think it's important to do both. You know, I think that that's what Jesus actually wants us to do. So one of the things that we've talked about going off that, Kyle, is is um, really why are we actually here? Mm. Right, so for the listeners out there that are going, this is this is great, but like, what is what is my job description? Um, one of the conversations we've had is about poverty, mm. and um, I think that. The word poverty brings up a, a whole lot of pictures in people's minds, um, and it usually has something to do with um, lack of resources, or lack of resources, or whatever. Um, but you've always inspired me in, in the way that you've gone after poverty in a much bigger sense. Um, so, can you maybe give us a, a, a few words on, on really what <laughs> poverty means? Yeah, I think that 
I had this great conversation and I talked to guys about a guy named John Hahn who, who helps out distribute um, funding for homelessness. And he told me one time, and uh, I really, when I started Project 54, and I still try to like, how can I constantly try to learn more and more about it? So we had a meeting about that, and he asked me about poverty, and he said, how would you explain poverty? And I said, a lack of material things. So he said, wealth is abundance of it. I said, yeah, he's like, you are what's wrong with Christians. <laughs> Straight out called me out, and he said, your Project 54 is gonna fail. And I was just like, I know, harsh, right? Sounds like an encouragement. Yeah. And the thing is, it's true though, that if you go and, and you said, you can go to Africa and people live in huts, but that's just their culture and their community, mm. and you call them poor, they would be very upset with you. And he's like, it's lack of spiritual and emotional health. And on this journey that I've been going on, I can totally see it. Mm. You know what I mean? And that, that's what true poverty is. That's what we're trying to solve, right? Is how do you get that, when someone's living in hell, how do you get that spiritual wealth? Because I blame Christianity for sin, real, and people, I know that's kind of crazy, but I think he's exactly right. We have a bunch of poor people helping poor people. You give someone clothes, yeah. and you say, well, I did my deed today, I gave, right? But then all these homeless people tell me, oh yeah, I just sold it for drugs, right? <laughs> so did you really help? You know what I mean? Do you understand the culture? Do you understand the community? What's the most important thing, too, that you're trying to do? And I think... It, when we have people that come to Project 54, they, they have a hard time with it at the start. And then, like, later on, they'll get it. And they're like, that's right. Like, if he dies, but he knows God and he's saved, and not only that, I know for a fact that if Jesus is in your life, he can change life and the spiritual health that we have and, and how happy we are. Do we do more for that person than anyone ever could? You know what I mean? And if that person finds God, I'm willing to bet that if you put God in someone's life, he'll change their life. So this is something that we did talk about at the short-term missions uh, episode, and this is where I think the tension really comes in. Because essentially, if I'm, I'm hearing you right, and we've talked about this, um, you're saying the need of Skid Row is not material, it's spiritual, mm -hmm. right? So how do you get those people who live there to, to trust you? Because one of the things I said on the short-term missions was is that sometimes when you go to a place and you're only trying to bring the gospel, sometimes they don't trust you because you haven't you don't understand their, their, uh, some of their other needs that they consider more important than that, right? Yeah. So how, how do you deal with that? Um, I understand, and again, this is something that I've come to learn, is that the, the people of Skid Row um, often can get fed three times a day. Or, or at 13. 13, that's right, 13. <laughs> and there are people coming to donate clothes all the time. So then it tells me, well, clearly that's not the material, right? Mm -hmm. So I think what, what missions comes down to, and I think this is something that I've had to learn, is missions comes down to addressing the correct need. Not the, not the need that I think they have, but the need that they actually have. So how do you, like how did you, I know Eric just told you like, hey, if you could bring more friend, like another friend down to me, but like how do you attempt to parse that out? Once again, it goes back to love. Discipleship is love. You have to show love, you know what I mean? When What does that look like? Just how the Bible says. All right, well, let me throw this out to you, because here's what I hear you saying is, A, first, like anything, we actually try to fix so that we can avoid. Mm -hmm. So so instead of listening, we try to fix, right? Mm -hmm. But if we would just listen, we would actually hear what the other needs in this situation, whatever the situation is. That mm -hmm. could be with your spouse, yeah. to listen. So you began to listen, and then you began to hear, we need eggs. 
but really right is you heard we need friendships we need relationships and so so it's easy i would argue it's easy even if you don't have it it's easy to invest things and money because right. it's safe and it's easier i guess and it's, definitely it's it, there's no complexity right, there right, it's, yeah. here's here's your sandwich here's your jacket and we're done and we're done and then we're like all right we did it and and i would even i would even argue that that's why people don't invest long term right. because there's no there is no return in that right there's no real return and so the way to change it is to actually give yourself to invest yourself without right. even though you still will without any expectation of return so right so you you chose eric well literally everything not just that's what, have to well not just every your whole your whole person your whole life because if you go and you just ask like what is love first john three eighteen, you know it, it's your actions you know what i mean and jesus set this example right that i'm gonna die for you and that's what love looks like literally sacrifice everything we don't know about that as humans like we really have a hard time with what actually love is you know what i mean um that's why there's no greater love to yeah. someone that if you yeah. serve your country and in the military right because you're willing to lay down your life for something that you truly believe in right but what does love look like exactly it's literally giving everything right if i came to my wife i love using this example that if I went to my wife and it, my wife's like having a horrible day at work and she's fighting with her boss and everything kind of sucks and I came to her and I said, oh, I bought you a dress. My wife would not say, man, does Kyle love me? You know what I mean? Oh, that was nice. You know what I mean? That was cool. You thought of me. That's cool. But if I went to my wife and said, you know what? Let's go to Catalina. The kids are taken care of. Uh, I already have meals planned. Um, I got you your favorite. You know, I bought you a dress, that one you really wanted. And then we, and over dinner, we talked about what was going on in our life. And we just have this whole thing because my wife's going through a really hard time. My wife would be like, wow, he really thought of everything. Mm. He really wanted to invest in me and my concerns. And he saw a need and he really tried to continue to be there. Right. So that's the same thing with homelessness is that people forget. It just wasn't that with Eric. Where Eric's story is one of the most things that people forget is one day I saw Eric eating out of a dog bowl. And this answers your question how to start. Eric was eating out of a dog bowl. And for the first time in my life, it hit me really hard. I said, this is what we came to, like someone needed a dog bowl, like that's it. My heart was just hurting. Problem is, there's addiction, then there's love that, uh, that Eric was addicted to. Eric, anything that, that you give him will get sold for more drugs. And this is where I argue with people that you shouldn't just give money. Find out what their need are, who they truly are. So he went to color me mine, and me, my wife, and kids, we painted them bowls and uh, cups. And my whole thinking was, he's, you know, who would sell a two-year-old, you know, cup uh, that painted for her, right? So Eric opened it and started crying. It was the first time he ever hugged me. And then it was another thing. Then, then he lost his tent. Everything got stolen. So we bought him a tent. And uh, the most expensive thing I ever bought him, 40 bucks. But in the tent was a Bible. Eric pulled out that Bible and started crying over that Bible and put it to his head and promised me he'd read it every single day, which he still does. And the reason why is because why I continually was there throughout the process and see their needs. It wasn't you just showed up and said, peace, okay, you got something. It was, look, I'm going to show you God is real because I love you so much. I'm going to show you what love actually looks like. And scripturally, God is love, right? Mm -hmm. So, and that's why I tell my team this, that, you know, that if you want to... Matthew 5, 16, right? Light your light shines so others may see your good deeds and follow the Lord. Who is that light? We need to be that light to these people. 
And if you're there constantly, that's it. It changes lives if you're just involved, you know. So I I, I think I heard Francis Chan say this, and it goes through a lot of times. He says, "Lay down your life seem, uh, means to die." Mm-hmm. And I think he says, uh, "Are you you're willing to die, but are you willing to live for somebody?" Yeah. Right. And so I would argue it's almost you're living for that person. Yeah. Right. Like you're you're taking your life, and you are you are living for that individual, right? And you are giving yourself. And his point was like, it's almost, you know, it's self-serving to die. Like it's heroic, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> almost easy. But to actually live for that person, to go back to go spend time, spend money, and not just a, a, just a one-stop kind of deal, but to keep going back. And I think, you know, we, when we, we, there is a place for overseas missions. There's a place for local missions. But one of the scary things with local missions is, I think you brought up, is you could go back tomorrow. You right. could go back next month. You could go, you don't have to raise three right. grand. You mm-hmm. don't have to raise $1,500. Not talking down on uh, global Absolutely missions. Not. It's no. just the fact that you could go to a Bible study or you can, you can be active, continuously active in that community. And this is this is why going back to that, I, I still struggle with whether short-term missions, in and of themselves, like by themselves, there's nothing else around, are effective. Because, to your point, Travis, that you said that death is, is sort of the easier one. It's because there's a finality to death. You can't give anything else, right? <laughs> but if you live for someone, you are continually being asked to give for them. Yeah. And so, same thing. Like if you, if it's a short-term mission and that's it, if you partner with a long-term mission there, Absolutely. totally fine. Like that's 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 Absolutely. what you should be doing. And then you come home, and that's great because you've had, you've learned, you've grown, and the people there have gained from you being there. But to but to like local missions and global missions, if they're long-term, it's a continual sacrifice. It's you always have to do more. There's never an end date, right? Yeah. Whereas like with death or with a short-term mission, it's like you go there and you're done, and that's it. That's the easier one because you cannot give anymore. But then, yeah. To to, to mean, Kyle's point is right. tell your wife, hey man, we had a date. We had a date five years ago. We had a date five years ago. Yeah, we're, done. we're good. Um, it was a good date. I, we we got married, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> I think we actually do more harm when we do stuff like that. I think right. when we go in, first of all, I always find it funny, and, we, and I've had a conversation with this guy with you guys about it. We go to places and minister to people. Where we don't give them a Bible. That just beyond. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, hey, here's God. But no follow through, no nothing. Hopefully right. you learn that from a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I almost think that, and plus, if you just go there, how do they know that's legit if there's no follow-up? Oh. You know what I mean? How, and that's exactly what you're saying, you know? And that's why I think, I think you should push yourself, but, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't minister to someone, but maybe help out the people that are going through right. these things and just contribute to what they're doing in the, in, in the process of it. But it's just, I think it also, we forget that it's also another level. What if you pushing yourself internally mm-hmm. to constantly do this there and here? What is it doing yourself? You're going to keep learning that. So, so would you say, because back to DJ Kyle's point too, and this is what I was going to ask and I kind of lost my train of thought, but it almost seems that when you and I have had very candid conversations about, you know, people's lack of um, willingness to get involved and get dirty and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I say like, well, who were we five years ago, mm-hmm. right? Well, where where was I at five years ago? Mm-hmm. And so, because we have to be honest with ourselves, and this guilt, false guilt, whatever feeling of I need to be responsible for something, I need to go long term with this. Is it seems that the way in which we actually move forward is through through doing and through educating. Mm-hmm. So. You didn't have a team when you started. You just started, 
You just do it. To your point, it's like, what am I gonna do? I gotta solve the whole problem. You're like, you know, you solve the whole problem. You you enter in here, mm -hmm. right? And 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 so. So you get to this place where you can actually see what we try and do is we try and go. I'm gonna solve the I'm gonna solve the problem right now. You can't do, you can't do it. You just have to enter in like that. So, it, but then on the other side, and then I even see because I watch and I observe, and you see people they don't know what to say, they don't know how to say it, they're uncomfortable, they're awkward, rightly so. That you're entering into an environment in which you know nothing about, and you come in with a little bit of arrogance and a little bit of like okay, and you're you're or maybe you're just scared. It's a scary thing to talk to a group of people. I don't care if they're homeless or they're rich. People have a hard time talking to wealthy people because they're intimidated by them. So there's a fear, you know what I'm saying? So it's constant education or re-educating. I don't know, that's kind of a thought I have is like, do you think that is moving forward is, okay, we see there's issues, but it seems that constantly educating and then actually just doing is the way in which we flip the culture. Yeah, I think Rabbi Zachariah said it perfectly in his book, uh, Jesus Among Secular Gods. He said the best way to fight it is with knowledge and experience. Because if you constantly do your experience, say I have a, you know, experience, I constantly do these things, well eventually other people are going to be like, man, this guy got it. Like, what is he doing? This is amazing. I think that the best thing you can do is not just telling people about something, and I'm not, and I'm really bad at that actually with Project 54, is I just, I always just assume, hey, they'll, they'll pick it up, right? Because if someone's doing something crazy, everybody else is going to be like, man, that guy's doing some crazy stuff. I need to keep, I need to do that. I need to do that and be around. I think that's the best example you can be, is just constantly pushing and to get the next generation to be like, wow. These guys, yeah. because it keeps jumping on, right? You're gonna yeah. jump on, gonna jump on, you know what I mean? And that's the, I don't know, and I think that's where it kind of goes back to the church. We, we should push it. We, as, us as Christians should just always be like, if we're, we all need to be doing crazy things. And I think that we all come to a point in our faith where we kind of just settle down. And we're just like, okay, I get it, you know what I mean? But we're not challenging ourselves always and always and always, you know? And I think that once you take on a burden, when you fight that burden, God's going to keep opening doors. Oh, yeah, what about this? What about this problem? What about this problem? What about this problem? And then it keeps pushing you. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Yeah, no. I, do you, <laughs> I don't know why I want to ask Ryan this, but do you think we've, we've come to a place, and again, not, just trying to figure this out, but is we become content with knowing about instead of doing, we become a culture of, I want to know more, I want to know more, I want to know more, and we're just so filled up with knowledge yet not really maybe it's like a pseudo but there's there's a lack of doing or do you see especially as a guy that helps helps um facilitate missions is do you see not that like i i believe that there's a desire to do so i just don't think there's a, a, an enough people doing leading it yeah. and so therefore but we also create a culture where knowing the latest you know and hearing the latest yeah, I, uh, I, I i i guess i hear all these clever lines and sermons and i say <laughs> you like the line do the line yeah right do the, yeah do, do the very the quote you like the quote do the quote now but everyone's content with liking the quote they don't do the quote and i'm not bashing yeah. i'm just saying i think that's a that's an air we breathe maybe yeah i and um kyle one of the reasons i respect you so much and um, why I love what, what you got going on is because you understand this, um, what I'm about to say. But, but Trav, to your point, I think one of the biggest problems is we, when we have the flashy one-liner that can get tweeted out, um, we kind of paint Christianity into a, a quick fix 
kind of a way, mm-hmm. uh, quite kind of a men- mentality where it's okay. I'm supposed to love, so if I go love, then there won't be any poverty anymore, <laughs> you know. Or like, okay, so we went and did that brunch, so so here we go. So we solved it, right? And it's, <laughs> yes. but it, and it, and it is a. I don't mean to make light of it. It's a serious thing because um, what I've seen in my own life, and what I see constantly in the church is burnout. Right, where when you're sold, hey, we're going to go do this and it's going to fix everything, and then a year, two years into it, it hasn't fixed that thing, then you go, well, I just wasted all my energy doing this. And that's not true. That The energy hasn't been wasted. Um, it, it's just that this is a journey, and this is something that, you, that is a, a lifetime, and it's going to go through yeah. the generations of, of we are constantly going to be fighting this battle. Um, and so I think just educating um, people and me having to remind myself that, hey, this is a p- process, um, and which is why I just I, I thank God for people like you, Kyle, who are on the ground going, no, we're going to do this thing long term, and calling other people to join you in that is the solution. Um, it, it's just that, um, I don't know, I, I guess what I want listeners to, to hear right now is, um, the, the effort that you've put in for the last year, the last two years, last five years, whatever, it hasn't been wasted. None mm. the God, God uses all of that. And, and um, he's using that to shape you. He's using that to shape the, the community that you're helping out in. Um, and so don't be discouraged. Keep going. Keep, keep pressing in and, and um, keep seeking this because although there's not a quick fix, um, life change does happen. And Kyle, you've got stories for days about that life change happening because you get to see the the fruit. Um, I just think that sometimes the fruit doesn't come as quick as as we hope it will, and then we get discouraged and kind of hit the eject button. Or we're wired for. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's this, I mean, this is a, I mean, it's a very Western thought. Yeah. The silver bullet idea is a very Western thought, right? It it comes from rationalism. It comes from enlightenment rationalism, Mm -hmm. and we want the argument, we want the thing. This even this even speaks to evangelism, right? And and apologetics. Like, not that those are bad things, but we want the one thing that we can say, like, this is the one line I can tell someone, and then they'll believe. This is the one argument I can tell them they'll defeat all their doubts. And we are wired this way because it's one, we're educated this way, where it's built into our culture, it's built into, I mean, American America started as an enlightenment political experiment, um, and so um, it also ended the enlightenment, so that should tell you a lot. It's, a, it's historic, there's, anyway. Um, okay, okay. So, so we're not gonna get into that, but but that is part of what the way we are, at this point I think it's, it's far enough that we're wired to think that way. We're wired to, to want the, res, we're results oriented. I mean, that goes into, I mean, our our society and culture is a results-oriented culture. It's a transact. The, to your point earlier, when you're saying like, um, I, I, Travis is, I think you're making the different. When you're saying like, we want something, we want to do something, and then be done. That's a transaction versus a relation, right? Mm. So we're, we're transactional. We're not relational. Yeah. We want the receipt that says Skid Row is done, right? That we've paid off Skid Row and yeah. we're. And it's it's and it's never going to be that way, right? Because that that's not the problem. The problem is those the people that live in Skid Row want friends, want people to come up and love them. They want it's you a relationship. To, they want you to go to college for right. life, right? And relationships <laughs> and relationships don't really end in that traditional it's good. sense. It's good. Right? And you see you see where that adds into the um, the frustration of somebody going. We helped them for a year and right. it hasn't been solved yet. That's on them. Which is because right. it's, yeah. it's, it's, there, this issue is we, so much deeper than 
what does that help look like? Right. And so we're going, well, yeah. I turned in my, I did my time, I got my receipt, so why didn't, why didn't we fix it? Right. Well, because we taught them the wrong thing to begin with. This right. is just, there's a, there's a tension here <laughs> that you have to just learn to live into, and right. Kyle's about to jump out of the seat, so I'm passing it to well, you, Kyle, uh, I, And I don't know if we're on the same page, but I, we went to lunch, and it was, I don't even remember this, we, were, we came back, and we, it was raining, we were in your car, and we were having conversations, and even to your point, Ryan, encouraging listeners and people who really want to do something make impact, and I think deep down is, is you, you know, you've said this, you've said this, and let's be fair, is you're like, I've wanted to quit Project 30, uh, 54th over 30 times, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to have this, I don't know, spiritual mm-hmm. grit or whatever, and and so that element's there, That that's, People are gonna to want to quit their marriages. The best marriages want to quit sometimes. It just is what it is, what it is. And so, how do you kind of move forward from there? And I remember you and I having this conversation, and going like, "Why me? Why me? Why me?" I'm like, "It has to be you, because you're weird and crazy, man. Like, <laughs> like it, it ha- in a good way. Is is it, it has to be you?" And then I asked you this question. I said, "Okay, so are you just gonna be another flyby? Right? Are you just gonna be one more pop up tent?" that went out there and gave some sandwiches or you actually, and you had to decide that. You have to decide that. You have to decide that every day is how are you going to build this and how are you going to see it continue to move forward even after you're dead? Yeah. yeah. I was say one more, one more high schooler that tried to start a t-shirt company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's are you gonna yeah. outlast that even when two years into it, like Ryan's point is it gets hard, right? And, and, and that's something you have to probably wrestle with every single day. It, it actually, in this, it, I'm actually intrigued to see what you guys say about this because it actually hurts my heart when you say something like that. Like, because it actually hurts me as a Christian now, where where I'm at in my life right now, uh, um, or just the thought that I'm not going to push myself or that I gave up. And I think that what is with our faith now that our new generation of Christians are just saying. We are not meant to be crazy. We are not meant mm-hmm. to go do crazy, amazing things. That we are meant to be just sit at church and be individuals and get what we want. Yeah. I just think we're missing so much out of our faith. And this is coming, and you guys know my story. I was a worship leader for years. I've been involved in my faith so much. But I have grown so much in this year and a half because I found God on Skid Row. And I tell people this and they're like, what? I'm just like, church is great and I love it. I know why God wants us to go be disciples. Because it's changed my heart and it'll change everybody's heart. And then eventually what happens is you get a group of Christians that come around each other that are just as crazy. So when you want to fall down, they say, nope, this is a God thing. This is how you do it. So why is it that do you guys feel in our Christian community now we kind of took the back seat. That it's just kind of what you guys were even saying earlier. Mm-hmm. It's all about mm-hmm. knowledge. I need to get that one line, you know, and that will do things. But that was never meant Christianity is supposed to be. That was never meant. Why has it come to that point in our faith? Because <clears throat> there is a moment when the hype wears off. There is a moment when the high wears off and the, the goosebumps and the emotionally driven charge to go change the world wears off. And in that moment, that's when you... Um, come face to face with the reality of why am I doing this and if the answer is self-serving reasons Mm -hmm. 
figure out if the answer is something deeper than that, then it can turn into something very beautiful. But I think we need to equip people to one, yeah, give the give the emotionally driven charge to go change the world. Absolutely, I do it every, every time I'm on stage. But there also has to be at a deeper level of conversations like this where we go, okay, and that right. hype is going to wear off. And so when it does, I want you to be ready to double down and press in all the more and have people around you that are gonna keep you keep you moving in the right direction. I, I also think it, it goes back to your point that we've misunderstood what poverty really is, right? Mm. I think if you look at the history of the church is that the, the moment it became powerful, the moment it became tied up in the power of humanity, right? That we it was political, it was institutional and all that. And I'm not against institutionalized churches, I'm not yeah. against all yeah. that. But the moment Christianity gets tied into the Holy Roman Empire, yeah. As soon as that happens, I mean, and that's just a specific moment, but I mean, even in, in America, all that, that's where we take the backseat and said, okay, we're good. Uh, Ryan and I have talked about that. That's where, if you want to picture the image of a kingdom, right, the kingdom of God, that's where you raise up the, the drawbridge and, you know, you circle the camp, you defend rather than engage, right? Mm -hmm. So the moment that it became powerful, like, well, we have to defend our position. We have to remain powerful. And, and to your point, Jesus was never about that. He yeah. was never about, you were never supposed to be the That's one in good. power. You were supposed to be the one powerless because you recognize um, you don't have a higher idea. power. You recognize a higher power. You are not, right. the power isn't you. The power is outside of you. And so you can take that to other people. So the moment you become this drawbridge up, this, uh, yeah. this wall building yeah. community, that's the moment that you take the back seat because you're only in a defensive position. You're never in a, you're never engaging, and that's what you that's what we're called to do, right? right? I, okay. I think too is that that when we go do our fight, we forget about God. I I honestly yeah. and and this is my question that I'll ask a million times over and over. And why is it that when we see a homeless person, well, if someone comes to church and they say. What's your main focus as pastors? I need to get this guy involved. I need to make sure God's in his life. And how can we spiritually lift him up? We go to a homeless person and we see all the <laughs> physical needs. And we're like, let's abandon everything we just know that we're supposed to do. And let's worry about your physical needs. And it's just like we totally forgot about God. And we take God out of the situation, mm. right? I like that, yeah. And I, I get so frustrated with that because <laughs> it's, yeah. But I get really frustrated because I feel like as Christians, it's like we're missing the point. And I think that... That's part of the burnout process, is you can only build so many buildings. We can only hand so many clothes, right? But God will, if you put God at the center of everything, you're basically saying that, yeah, God's not going to do enough. That's ridiculous, right? If you keep pushing God and you keep having trying to do God's will and let God be the center of your life, it's just like anything, you're going to continually grow, right? And I think that, yes, there may be, maybe sometimes you'll go through hard times with burnout, but that's where you have people and other resources. But I think that if anything, that we just lose focus of what God truly is. And there is a great point where um, uh, Matthew Paris and... I think I said his name right, from England, and he's this huge atheist, and he talks about, uh, he wrote an article why Africa needs God, mm -hmm. but he's an atheist, and he said basically he, he, his big mission is he has to go bring water to Africa, fresh water to Africa, and he used to say, Christians, bring your stuff and leave, right? But then he ended up saying, uh, when he wrote this article, saying this actually hurts coming from an atheist perspective, but I've seen what Christians have done to the lives of the people in Africa. And that's what's really changing the culture in Africa, 
is not the materialistic needs. It's that they're changing their hearts and they're changing their lives. And all of a sudden, now the mission comes that, well, maybe it's just not worth it. Maybe we should actually work at their hearts first and really try to change their lives. And then all of a sudden, all these Christians are coming down there and it's like more important now. Oh, maybe God's just the more important thing. And that's what's really spreading the message and really doing the revival in Africa. Right? That's it. That's good. Um, real quick, Kyle, if people want to get more information on what you're doing or how to get involved, where would you recommend they go? Uh, we have, uh, go to our website, project54outreach.org. Project yeah, Instagram, Facebook, not too much on that stuff, but there's all the information um, on there. You can send us. Um, we do our monthly events. Love to have people there. I try to say I'd want 200 people there. You know, one, two people for every homeless person would be the best thing for me, or our Bible study too. You can go there. Do you have an email? The website has email and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, you can hit us up at info uh, at um, info at project54outreach.org. So don't just show up. Right. Contact you first. Yeah, contact yeah. me. If you, so if you're in the LA area, if you're a local here, um, and you want to be involved. Well, yeah, if you want to fly out, for sure, fly out. But yeah. If you find yourself in yeah, the Yeah, if you LA find area. yourself and you want to, you want to email, email the, the organization, they're a great organization, um, and they'll talk you through a lot of, like, what, what, they, what you might need to do, listeners, to sort of get involved, um, which we all encourage you to do. So. Yeah. Find your own Project 54, too. Yeah, that's Stop actually there. a good point. So yeah. if you're not in the LA area, start something there. Yeah. So. Venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. We hope you do listen to us and uh, follow us on all of the social medias. Like us on Facebook. Like us, uh, follow us on Twitter. Like Humanican Media. Follow them. Um, and our Twitter handle is uh, at w a t underscore podcast. And then Humanica Media. Yeah, just uh, hu- uh, Humanica. Just at Humanica Media. And that's uh, all right. And and we'd love to hear your comments, your feedback, anything like that. Follow us. Give us a shout out. Um, Respond let, to us. Let, let, us, let us know what you want to hear. Yeah, let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you think about this episode. We're, we're, we want to know um, everybody's feedback. Um, wherever that takes place, wherever you find us, let us know what you think. That's uh, to us people that can feel things. It. it uh... It hurts.